Our scripture reading today is from Proverbs chapter 2. I'm hoping Angelo has it over there. <coughs> Good. I forgot to check before we started. Uh, so our scripture reading is from Proverbs chapter 2, uh, and we're going to read the first 10 verses. We're going to do it in, 10 section, in two sections, sorry. And uh, I'm going to read in English, and then Angelo will read in uh, Papimento. Proverbs 2, 1 through 10. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Vivo e guarda mi mandamento nan den bomente. Si bo abri bo orreia pa sabiduria e bomente pa conhecimento. Si em verdade bo yora pa comprensão e grita pa haya conhecimento. Si bo busque maneira ta tras di placa bota of maneira ta corre bota corre tras di un tesoro escondi. E ora ei lo bo comprende ki ko tanifica in respect di Senhor. E e ora ei lo bo descobri for the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path, for wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Pa sobra Señor ta dona sabiduría, ta for di su boca comprensión y conocimiento ta sali. Eta garantiza éxito duradero pa gente justo y ta un escudo pa gente recto. Eta cuida esnan ku ta cana ku justicia y ta protege esnan ku ta fiel ne. E ora ei lo bosa kiko ta nifica ta un gente recto viva, un vida Bom, den vista de Deus e de renda. Trata tu renda sem assim distinção. E ora ei lo bosa com botinco biba. Para sobre sabedoria lo bine den bo coração e conhecimento lota um placer para bo alma. Lord bless the reading of his word. I just want to say a thank you to the folks who are here this morning. Uh, there's about eight or nine of us, I guess. And uh, so Greta and Dita helping with the singing, Angelo, Aaron, Frankie playing. It's great to play with these guys. They're all so much better than me. They make me look good. It's great. Uh, and I, I hope you've enjoyed that. Uh, also, Yanto again back there manning the camera. So if I don't look really good, it's his fault. And. Uh, John is back there on the sound, so if we don't sound really good, it's his fault. No, we really appreciate their service. Also, uh, Franklin's here today. Uh, he's translating our message this morning. Now, it's not live like it usually is on Sunday here in the room, but uh, you will be able to get that translation uh, on our media link on our webpage. I think we also post 
a link to that on Facebook, and uh, you can subscribe to it as a podcast. It's all uh, very easy to get online. We've been talking about the first chapter of James, the first, really the first eight verses of the book of James, which uh, has this astounding statement in it. Consider it pure joy, brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. So the Christian is advised by the word of God to rejoice in suffering. Not to rejoice about suffering, but to rejoice in suffering. So last time we uh, looked at this, the first part of this text, which says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So last time we looked at the, the first paragraph of that, and today we're going to look at the beginning at verse, what is that, 5, if any of you lacks wisdom. But just to review a little bit, we noticed last time that when the world goes bad, and that's, that's uh, not really the best way of saying that, because the world's always going bad. So maybe we should just say all the time, when our circumstances are bad, when our situation is difficult, is what we would call a trial, which involves maybe some suffering on our part, that, according to this text, is a test of our faith. And it's a test of our faith in the reality that God is good. So we said, when the world goes bad, God is still good. We know that because Jesus came. You know, if Jesus hadn't come, if the Son of God, the eternal Son of God, had not been born in that uh, shed in Bethlehem, if he never lived his perfect life, if he never died for our sins, if he never rose, if he isn't right now seated at the right hand of God, then we don't know God is good. But because all those things are true, we do know God is good. God, we know that God is good because Jesus said, announced, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, even if he dies, yet shall he live. So we uh, notice that God is still good and we notice that if I'm in Christ, if I'm united to Christ, my immediate visible situation is not the only situation I'm in. I'm also in that big 
perfect, good situation of God's goodness, God's grace, God's love for me in Christ. And so when our faith is tested by that smaller circle of our situation, I need to look outside to the goodness of God, trusting God. This produces steadfast faith, a faith that sticks with it, a faith that waits out the hard time, that looks for the resurrection, the promise of God's word. And so as a Christian in a time of trouble, I can have what Paul calls in Philippians a peace that passes understanding. I can be at peace when the world around me is coming apart at the seams, when everyone else has gone mad, I can be settled and assured in the promise of the resurrection of Christ. And this has an effect. The scripture says, let steadfastness, that that faith that sticks with it, have its full effect. That that full effect is a perfect character, a character that's full-grown, that's an adult character. In, in the real sense, that's complete, that's not missing any of the things it needs, that's lacking nothing, the scripture says. Christian character is a character that walks with God, a character that constantly depends on God. So the testing of our faith improves our faith. The testing of our faith, when we face a difficult circumstance, we grow stronger in faith, and we grow stronger in character. The more a person trusts God in Christ, the more that person is able to live in this difficult world with peace of mind and the assurance of uh, resurrection in the end. So he concluded that, let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And then he says, if you lack wisdom... Here's something I've noticed. I lack wisdom. And what I've noticed in the last few weeks is the whole wide world lacks wisdom. There's no one with sufficient wisdom. The wisest counselors are counseling all the wisest people in the world in, the, in politics and government and science and medicine. It's not enough. And I expect at some point we'll figure out how this whole thing works and how to treat it or how to prevent it with a vaccine or something like that. But you know what? It won't be enough. Because sin is in the world, death is in the world, and none of us escapes, and none of us knows what to do about it. We all lack wisdom. And it's become quite apparent in the face of this uh, pandemic. We don't really know what to do. We're, uh, like the old saying says, between a rock and a hard place. We can all isolate ourselves and the world's economy will come to a grinding halt. So we won't maybe die of this disease, but maybe we'll die of starvation. 
Or we could do the other way. I don't know. It's a big old argument. Nobody knows. There is a lack of wisdom. There's a lack of wisdom. I feel it personally. I don't know what to do. Half the time, I don't know what to do about anything. Well, this scripture proposes something to do about that, a lack of wisdom. It says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God. Let him ask God. If you lack wisdom, ask God for it. And then he says this amazing thing, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach. God loves to give wisdom. God is generous with wisdom. Without reproach, no questions asked. God is not up there going, well, I don't know if I should give it to you. I'm not sure you really deserve it. No, none of that. It just says without reproach. No consideration of merit. He just says yes. That is God's default answer when someone asks for wisdom. Maybe we should take a minute and think, well, what is wisdom anyway? What is that? What's the meaning of that? Well, I guess I would say this. I don't think wisdom is intelligence. Some very intelligent people are not very wise. But it includes the right exercise of my intelligence, however much intelligence I have. I would say wisdom's not knowledge or education, though wisdom can use knowledge and education in a very significant way. Wisdom's also not just prudence or caution, not just uh, the preservation of safety. Sometimes the wise thing to do is the dangerous thing to do. So what is it? Well, I want to look. There's a, there's a clue about this in First uh, Kings, back in the Old Testament. First Kings chapter 3. It's the story of Solomon. You might have heard of Solomon. He is called in this very text the wisest person to ever live. He had an encounter with God. This is the story of that encounter. It says, At Gibeon the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, Ask what I shall give you. And Solomon said, You've shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness, in righteousness and in uprightness of heart toward you and you have kept for him this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on his throne this day and now O Lord my God you have made your servant king in place of David my father although I am but a little child Solomon was a full-grown man when he said this but he's saying I'm a little child I think he's talking about the lack of wisdom. He says, I do not know how to go out or come in. 
And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you've chosen a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern, discern what is right. For who is able to govern this, your great people? It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this, and God said to him, Because you've asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but have asked yourself for yourself understanding to discern what is right, behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind, so that none like you has been before you, and none like you shall arise after you. This is a pretty good example of how much God loves to be asked for wisdom, and the answer is yes. But what is wisdom in this text? It's not intelligence, though it includes the use of intelligence. It's not knowledge or education, though it will use those. It's not caution or prudence. Uh, sometimes the wise thing is the most dangerous thing. But it is, according to this text, understanding to discern what is right. It's direction. It's a vision forward. It's a path to take. It's a, the ability to see out of all my various choices what's, which one is right. Now, God loves to say yes to this. In fact, God has already said yes before you ask. All the wisdom of God we need has already been delivered. It's been delivered in his revelation of himself in the person of Jesus Christ and in the scriptures. If you look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, you'll read this. As for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, the scripture, which are able to make you wise. Wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness training in righteousness, the capacity to discern what is right. That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. There's a great bank of wisdom in the Bible that is sitting on your shelf. And it's a lifelong project to mine the wisdom from this book. See, the question is not, will God show me the way? Rather, the question is, will I trust what God tells me? So, James, in the very next text, returns to the very first thing about wisdom. Do you see it? Here's what he says. But let him ask in faith. Let him ask in faith. Now, if... This should remind us all of Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. 
Maybe you didn't know this, that was where this is, but you'll recognize this text. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. The way forward will be clear to you. See, the first thing about wisdom is faith. In Job 28.28, Job says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And that is repeated in the Proverbs several times. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And here, James says, But let him ask in faith with no doubting. That word doubting is a word for questioning. It's kind of like this. When you ask for God's wisdom, prepare yourself for God's wisdom. (laughs) Don't prepare yourself to decide whether God's wisdom is actually wise. Of course it is. Don't question it when he gives it to you. If God's wisdom is clear, it's clear. We trust it. So we're asking God for wisdom. We're not asking God for advice. Like I might ask Aaron over here for some advice. He could tell me. I'd, you know, consider it. I might ask somebody else for their opinion. I'd weigh all these things and make a judgment. God is not giving us advice. He's giving us direction. God is God. God knows everything. I know, compared to God, really nothing. We're asking God for wisdom, not advice to be weighed by our own judgment. I am not in a position to judge the word of God, to judge the wisdom God gives. God's wisdom is to be trusted and followed, not weighed against my own understanding. If I give my judgment the final word over what God says, that's the very definition of double-minded. I'm like, okay, God says this, but is that really wise? I've rejected God's wisdom before I even asked. I keep being double-minded. I'm like a wave that's tossed around, the scripture says. It's driven and tossed by the wind. Uh, Any opinion, this or that opinion, you can certainly see that in the news right now. Is it this way or is it that way? It depends on what article I've read most recently, which way I think is right. Here's the bottom line. If I trust in Christ for my salvation, God is my Abba Father. Jesus died for my sins. Jesus rose again. Jesus ascended into heaven. Jesus is seated at the right hand of God interceding for me. Even if I make a mistake, even if I go the wrong way, God is my Abba Father. 
He is providing for me perfectly at all times. He is a perfect provider. Now, if you have a perfect provider, I don't have to worry for myself. I can simply trust him and follow his guidance. You know, in Romans chapter 8, you know, there's that famous verse, uh, you know, the one about God uh, working all things together for our good, you know, you know that one. It says in Romans 8.28, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That's the good. It's not what I think is good, it's what's actually good. What's actually good is for the character and the humanity of Christ to be worked out in my life. Anyway, he goes on, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And those whom he predestined, he also called, and those he called, he also justified. The cross of Christ imputes the righteousness of Christ to my account by faith. And those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? What do I think I need? Well, what I know from this text and from the demonstration of the love of God and the cross of Christ, what I know is I have what I need at all times because I have a Father who is taking care of me. Even when I feel deprived, that's wisdom. You see, the wisdom is to trust God. If my care and well-being can be trusted to God in Christ by the Spirit, then I can act according to God's Word with boldness and courage. That's wisdom. If I don't need to take care of myself, I trust God to take care of me, I can take care of you. I can share the love of Christ with you. I can do what needs to be done even if it's painful to me, even if it costs me, even if it requires great sacrifice. I can do the right thing. And I believe with this in mind, I will see the right thing. Because God says right here in this text and so many other places that he loves it when we ask for wisdom and he gives it. I can act according to the commandments of Scripture. I can be obedient to God's law. I can do the right thing. Because God is taking care of me. It gives me great security, and it's from that security that I act wisely. I don't act wisely to get secure. I act wisely because I am already secure in Christ. And you know, this text says, look, if you don't have wisdom, ask God. He loves to give out wisdom. 
He doesn't even ask questions. You ask for wisdom. He says yes. Trust that. And you know, as soon as I look to God for wisdom, I am exercising wisdom because the smartest thing I can do is ask God. I say this a lot here. Prayer is everything there is to the Christian life. Prayer is everything there is to the Christian life. If you need wisdom, ask God. He's your daddy. He can do it. He loves you. He cares for you if you are in Christ. He always gives you what you need. And if you ask him for wisdom, he knows you need it. And he will give it. You know, other things become clear if I have clarity on my secure position in Christ and the Father's care for me. And the Father's generosity toward me, especially with wisdom and spiritual understanding. Other things also become clear when I have that. But you know, everything else is trivial compared to that. <laughs> compared to our resurrection in union with Christ, what else can get on that scale? But if I'm secure in my position in Christ and my assurance of that resurrection, everything else becomes clearer to me. In Romans 12, Paul says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present yourselves a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. The way I worship God is I give myself to God. What does that mean? I trust him to care for me. It says, he goes on, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Wisdom. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Trusting God, trusting God to provide wisdom results in the capacity to discern the will of God. God builds up in me the spiritual life of Christ so I can as assess my situation and know which way to go. And because I'm safe in Christ, I'm so safe I can boldly make a mistake. So I say, well, that's the way to go. I go that way and then that turned out not to be the right way to go. I'm still good. I start from a position of security, and because of that, I can act boldly for righteousness' sake. Now, I just want to kind of summarize this. How do we live life in a difficult time? I don't think we've experienced the highest level of difficult time out of this current disease yet. But I might be wrong. Maybe it's all uphill from here. But how do we live in a difficult time? This text, I think, gives us uh, three things. First, remember, remember, and trust. Trust. 
in God's goodness. God's goodness is proven in the life, death, resurrection, ascension, intercession, and uh, return of Christ. Promised return. Resurrection for us. God's goodness is clear. So when we're experiencing the struggles of this immediate situation, we remember that and we trust that he knows what he's doing. We don't know what we're doing, but he knows what he's doing. The second thing is look to God for direction. Look to God for direction. Scripture says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. There's a repentance in that verse. There's a turning from my self-sufficiency to reliance upon God in Christ. I know I don't understand the situation. I know God does. So I will walk with him. I look to him. Here's another way of saying, look to God, pray, pray, pray. There's really nothing more to the Christian life than praying. The Christian life is turning from relying on any other thing to relying on God in Christ by the Spirit. Remember and trust in God's goodness. Look to God for direction. And finally, do what you see to be right. Go ahead and make a bold error. Whatever you believe is right, go. The more we grow in steadfast faith, the more understanding to discern what is right we will have. The more we look to God and go, the more we understand about ourselves, about our situation, about God. Simple things. Remember, trust in God's goodness. Look to God for direction. And do what you see to be right. The Christian life is not a complex thing. I mean, there's a lot to know. There's a, I mean, this book is a giant book. I've been studying it for a long, long time, and I feel like I'm just getting started. But it's really simple. Christ died for us. We trust him, and we operate from the assurance of his grace. Same thing here with wisdom. You know, even when th bad things are happening around us, in Christ, my ultimate destiny is settled, and I will be raised in Christ. I'm safe. And so, if I don't know what to do, I know the one who knows what to do, so I can ask him about it. And then I can just act. I don't need to get myself all complicated. Pray, trust God, do what you see is right. Consider it pure joy. You know, God is doing something fantastic whenever we face a difficult time. If we could see what he was doing, if we could see what he was doing, 
we'd ask for more. God is good all the time. Father, we give you thanks for your goodness to us in Christ. It's really beyond our imagination, Lord. Father, I pray that if there's someone watching today who has never really dealt with this message of grace, if there's someone out there and Christianity has always just seemed like a list of rules or some kind of religious system, they've never understood that this is really about something given to us to be reconciled with the righteous God, to be forgiven for our sins. Father, I pray that right now they might receive that, trust that. Lord, if they have a question or whatever, I pray that you would, uh, they might contact us. And maybe we can help. Father, we, uh, we give you thanks. Uh, we rejoice in Christ always. We pray in his name. Amen.